Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, October 13th, 2016, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Hello and welcome to uh, this week's episode of This Is Only a Test. We have a full cast this week. We're no longer podcasting from a comfy couch in someone's living room. Back in the office, back in, uh, back full force, and back with a full range of technology news. But I want to introduce my co-host. Next to me is Jeremy Williams. Hi, Norman. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. And then next to him is Kishore Hari. Hello. It feels like it's been forever. Has it? Has it really? No, it's been probably two weeks exactly. Two weeks for but you. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I I read some of the YouTube comments on the last week's show. Some good comments on that couch you have, Jeremy. Thanks. There's some interested parties in that. And we should introduce our fourth member of this this week's show, the Creepy Fig. Creepy Fig in the house, <laughs> in the office. You know, is that the same Creepy Fig that was in the video? Uh, it isn't. We actually have two of them secrets. Why spoilers. did you make two to um, just haunt your dreams? Well, Frank wanted to keep one, and we wanted one. So, uh, we, we the the fine people at Mortal Mass were able to pull two castings, and Frank painted two of them up. For that's, the audio listeners, that's a life size Lego figurine, but it's creepy like a like real human skin. It has actual hair for eyebrows. That's right. Why do you have plastic around it? Does it have to keep moist? Do I have to keep it moist yeah. all the time? No. Uh, that was purely for transportation and to not get the damage or to let anything rub off. It on is it. one of the weirdest things to touch in the world. Mm. When you touch it, it's like kind of soft and squishy I know and what I'm moist. Doing. Oh, no. No. Silicone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Good. No. Uh, but who knows? Maybe, maybe it won't live here forever. But mm-hmm. it was in the office. We we're doing some things and brought it in. Uh, but it does feel like it's been very long since we've seen you last because so much has happened. We've done, been doing so much traveling. Um, you know, last week, Jerry and I did a VR podcast. And I don't know if you get the sense if you guys listened last week's or watched last week's episode. We recorded that podcast at the very end of the day, coming back from Oculus Connect the second day after doing a full day of interviews and demos, after spending two hours in traffic. And immediately after recording that podcast, I went to the airport. To fly all the way to New York? To fly to New York for New York Comic Con. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you could have... Uh, it sounded like you were exhausted. Maybe you should have had like a bolt of energy from like somebody like Palmer, who mm. had nothing to do last week, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Is there any sort of word on... So, on what that was all about, why why he no showed. I mean, we I, I fully expect the corporate or- overlord said no, thank you to him uh, being involved this year. But well, was there any the, sort of yeah? The company line is he chose not to go. It was his own decision. Yes. Oh. He, he didn't want to be a distraction. That's right. Uh, Jason Rubin talked to Upload VR and they asked him about it, and uh, Jason Rubin said it's completely Palmer's decision, um, and. It, they, yeah, I, I I think it's a fine line to play. I'm I'm happy that we got more Mark Zuckerberg 
um, on stage. That demo was impressive. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the kind of loud elephant in the room, the unspoken elephant in the room. Nice. Well, let's hear about what uh, what you've been up to the last week. Um, wh- why don't we dive into some pop culture news to hear about Norm's travel? Let's do it. Okay. So NYCC? Yeah, New York Comic Con, which is a massive. We have on the West Coast San Diego Comic Con running 30 years. Hundreds of thousands of people descend on a San Diego every year, spend almost a full week from from Wednesday to to Friday there. You were saying. Why is Siri Siri getting involved? I don't know why. Does it react to Comic Con? (laughs) Hey, Comic Con. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Trying to mute the computer. Of course, I make her talk. (laughs) Um, And on the East Coast, you have New York Comic Con, run by a completely different company. Uh, And the difference is in the spelling. San Diego Comic Con is comic hyphen con. New York Comic Con is comic space That's got to be a mistake, right? No, these are important differences. Important differences. But anyway, it is at the Javits Center, um, a beautiful building. Uh, I don't think it's as big as the San Diego Convention Center, but it's more open. There's a huge atrium lobby area with glass all around. It's a beautiful venue, um, and it's packed also. I think 150,000 people go over the course of the show, uh, and we were there in support of Adam. Adam had a panel. Oh, how was was the panel? It was great. It was packed. Uh, They had to unfortunately turn some people away, Uh, filled the room, um, met a lot of tested fans there. Adam did an incognito cosplay walk, and that video is up already, so you guys should absolutely watch that. Uh, he went as my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> Very huggable costume. Extreme. Most oh, huggable. Mo- like I, I saw it in the in the cave and totally gave it a hug. Yeah. It is oh yeah amazing. Yeah, the, and and then we also um, did shot some videos from the show floor. Uh, some of those are rolling out now. Uh, some. Old friends have tested, some new friends have tested. Uh, Dave Peterson, uh, who is the artist and an illustrator or writer behind Mouse Guard, which we talked about before, uh, he stopped by the booth and he brought his uh, dioramas and uh, scale architectural miniatures that he's made that he uses as reference for drawing. I thought he was really good on camera. I was surprised at how articulate he was and comfortable on camera talking to Adam. Yeah. A really good personality. Oh, totally. Artists can talk well. Yeah, but some not people, all hermits. You know, they get starstruck or they get nervous about the camera. This guy's really good. He's great. Yeah. Um, to tease some of the, the other interviews that we're going to have up, um, Adam also chatted with, um, uh, there's a guy who runs, uh, he builds custom giant steampunk-like mechs, uh, Machination Studio, I think is the name of his company. Oh, yeah. Adam posted a picture on his Instagram of you longing after um, one of those designs. You got to watch the video because the, the, the reaction is palpable in the video. The The mech isn't just a static piece. It animates. It has lights and sounds and um, it can be remote controlled. So I was drooling over it. Uh, we also had a visit from John Scalzi, author, and maybe... Did I'm you... I'm going to save that for the... I mean, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me take a backtrack. I take two steps back. Uh, John Hodgman stopped by, and we did wait, wait, John, wait, wait, John wait, Hodgman. Wait, wait, wait. Was he doing a panel? Jonathan Hodgman, 
one of the most my mo- most favorite comedians out there. Wow. PC. PC stopped by. Um <laughs> and uh we had a great conversation with Adam. Uh, I went around the show floor, did some interviews with some um co- uh, toy companies, talked about toy development process and high-end collectibles and and um and then John Scalzi stopped by, did a video with him, and he also joined our podcast. Now, Kishore, I believe you're going to say something. I was going to investigate if you may have talked to Scalzi about a certain friend of the podcast that's sitting in between us oh, about yeah. his thoughts mm. about red shirts. Yeah, that's right. I hope you told him I thought it stunk. No, no. <laughs> I didn't think that, though. It was. I just. You thought it was the greatest thing ever. I just thought it was okay. That's all. It's fine. It's a good, good, good book. Good book. I really enjoy that book. All right. I enjoyed it so much more than Ready, uh, Ready Player One. Yeah. Well, you know, different strokes. Are you now you're starting fights between authors? What do you, what's going no, on no, here? No, no, no. It's personal. Preference. Is it because is you're such a Star Trek nerd? That may be it, and that may be one of the reasons that you like Ready Player One so exactly, much because you're, vi- you're a classic arcade, very much, and video game nerd. You see this shirt? I, I see it. Like, it's, this uh, is it's like Stranger the Things thing in eight bit. Yeah, it's like drawn in four colors. And it's all, all pixel art, and at the bottom it says press any key to start, like at the video game. Nice. I freaking love this stuff. Um, and I love Star Trek and science fiction TV shows and the, and the red shirts, I think. We talked a little bit about it with John on the podcast. Cool. On Still Untitled. Uh, and the convention atmosphere was a perfect place to, to absorb all of that. Yeah, I was actually surprised you decided to just record in the, in the exhibit hall. It was kind of an interesting thing. I'll just put in a vote that I love when you have guests on Still Entitled. So I hope more friends uh, stop by like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, everyone that we met there, that Adam and chatted with, has an, basically an open invite to, to visit us. So uh, if they're in town, we'd love to do a, a longer discussion with them and have them on the podcast. Did you go to any panels? Just Adam's panel. I was there for one day, for 24 hours, uh, not even 24 hours. Like, uh, I flew in on a red eye, got in 7 a.m., had a colorful Uber driver take me to uh, downtown to Manhattan. Uh, I flew into New York, so it was a long drive. I'm guessing that means one star. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this guy got this guy got five stars. And the drive back got one star, but I'll get to that in a second. So got in at 7 uh, Got to the country center at nine. We did the incognito walk, did the, all the video shoots, and then I was out by 6 p.m. getting dinner and rushing to the airport afterward and barely made my flight back. So You don't show any signs of wear or fatigue. I, I don't understand how you do this. Um, do, you, do you show it at home? Is it private? No. <laughs> You're, it's, bottle, bottle up fatigue. It's unreal, man. I did take a very nice nap on the flight back from LA yesterday. <laughs> it can't be sustainable. Uh, but the, okay, so New York Comic Con, it's not like San Diego because movie studios aren't as present there. San Diego, you have yeah. huge movie studios uh, debuting um, trailers, footage, making announcements of casting, revealing things. And it's not just superhero movies, pop culture, things in horror, think, you know, um, action adventure films, even kids' films. And at New York, you have more of a TV presence. So CW is there. Um, hmm. and, Dare uh, to defy. That's, that's right. Uh, Marvel is there with their Netflix shows. And uh, some of the cast are there. And, and ABC is there, I believe. You want to run through some of the announcements from NYCC? 
So we saw the Defenders. Yes, yes. So which is the team up of Luke Cage, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones. The Netflix and team. the Iron Fist. That's yes. right. Uh, you had the trailer for Iron Fist revealed at New York Comic Con. You are an Iron Fist I am fan. A huge Iron. What did you think of the trailer? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, and I also read the recaps from the extra footage they showed. Uh, from the convention hall. The Netflix stuff isn't typically very special effects heavy, but this one looks like they have a, a bigger CG budget. It's not even that. I think that the Netflix shows have always been, they're not huge on special effects, at least in terms of like magic and mm-hmm. things blowing up, but they do a lot of choreography. Oh, totally. Martial arts. Absolutely. And both Daredevil, you have Daredevil and Iron Fist bookending these four shows. It's going to be five if you include Punisher, but both Daredevil and, martial, uh, and Iron Fist are huge martial artists in the Marvel comics and the, what they showed with Iron Fist in terms of like the choreography looked really good. Now there are special effects in Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, but more practical effects. Right. Yeah. There wasn't much. The breaking of things like they were both superhumans. Iron Fist, his fist has to glow a lot. And yes, that's what I'm saying. Like the daredevil special effects are all done in the editor, you know, like a, you could do them with special effects that like filters and shaky camera stuff. It's not CG augmentation like you're seeing in Iron Fist. Yeah, and I don't know. If, I think they're just going to have the idea of his hand glows and, you know, and uh, he goes on rampages. They talk about a long hallway fight scene like you had in Daredevil. Uncut so. stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they also announced the villain for Defenders, at least the actor playing the villain, and it's going to be Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yes. Sigourney Weaver plays an unnamed, undisclosed villain for the Defenders. I put in Ripley as the suggested name. I don't think it's going to be taken. I don't think so either. Um, Is this a new series? Like a full season length kind of thing? Yeah. I think so. I think it's going to, like, which is really strange because you have Daredevil, which is already, season two's done. I assume they're, we don't know if they're producing season three of Daredevil or it's going to just dovetail into. Right. Because season two had plenty of um, plenty of threads that were not closed. You have a new Punisher series, which is a spinoff of Daredevil, which needs us to kind of stand on its own also. Jessica Jones, are, you get, are we getting a season two of Jessica Jones before uh, Defenders? I mean, Iron Fist is next year, so there's time for a Jessica Jones season two. I don't know if there's going to be time for a Luke Cage season two. I haven't finished that show yet. When so, is Defenders supposed to start? Or air. I think they're producing it next year, and it's supposed to be. Uh, it's a really I'm good question. It up now. Uh, if it's end of next year, there's not going to be enough time to make it. It's sometime show. next year. It's. <laughs> it looks like it's July of next year, and it's a mini series. Oh, so it's not a full ten episode series. I think Defenders is a mini series, like four episode team up. So I I have questions, which we'll get to some point, because Defenders because they're pretty powerful group of people. They need a good villain. Mm -hmm. And so far, most of the villains in these shows have not been superpowered in any way. They've been fighting like the mob and blah, blah, blah. Um, Different organization structures. Here, we, I think we need a a good villain. You think Sigourney's gonna be a super villain? Uh, I don't know if it's gonna be Sigourney or somebody else that'll come in as a villain, but they need a good villain. So um, the name, uh, Norm dropped to me before when we were talking about this. I we're was in lo- speculation territory now. Uh, I was not terribly excited about it. it. Was should I go for it? Yeah, was Mephisto, which is a devil type character. Not super excited about that. There's potentially Viper. Yeah, 
It's a. I mean, think about the shield agent. The or, villains that have so far been in these shows in Daredevil, there's a little bit of that. Like they're local villains. They're it's about drugs. It's about gun trafficking. Um, it's things localized to areas of New York City, but with a f- on the fringe level, maybe a supernatural element. When you talk about Madame Gal in Daredevil series, um, who everyone speculates was going to tie to Iron Fist as the Crane Mother, and I don't think you can have like a just in just throw in a huge supernatural villain. Like, these shows feel very grounded. No, there's one group, The Hand, which has been mentioned, which has strong supernatural ties, which should play prominently in Iron Fist. Uh, so I think Sigourney Weaver is going to be like the Beast of the Hand or the Gorgon or something like that. Mm. I, don't, which, I don't need my supervillain to have superpowers. Personally, I thought Fisk was the best thing about Daredevil. And it, he, he's it, just a mafia guy. I agree, but when you have a team up of them, are they gonna? F- what? What are they gonna fight? Whatever. They need something, yeah, like to level up from who they fought before. I understand. Yeah. All right. Just a couple other quick notes about NYCC. There was uh, another uh, panel, and I believe they released a trailer for the Expanse season two, which I love that show. Mm. Uh, so I'm super excited about uh, about that. I think they did some stuff on Doctor Strange, which is coming out soon. Yep. Um. And how that ties uh, into the larger MCU, which I'm excited about. Um, but it wasn't like a heavy-duty news-breaking uh, no, con, I, like you mentioned. It's where people hang out. And like the other big difference between New York Comic Con and San Diego is San Diego feels like a destination for international and, and big fans. Like People make d- that week in July and that weekend in July their, their travel plan. They, San Diego is a great vacation city. You know, it's... And they, as many people go into San Diego as I think are there, basically, um, and it changes the entire city to be about Comic Con. New York, it's just another, for New York Comic Con, it's just another convention that New York has. And a lot of the people who attend are locals to the area because it's like, oh, you know, well, what's going on? New York Comic Con? All right, you know, take the train in and, um, and go to the convention. Though I will say the one last bit that I saw from New York Comic Con. I don't know if it released or not. Do you see the image of Mira from Justice League? Oh, Mira. Yeah. 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 So uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, which is now being packed. It seems like there are so many characters. There's rumors of Deathstrokes in there. It's laying all these crazy foundations, seeds for spinoff movies. Um, You have Aquaman and his wife, Mira, being played by Amber Heard, and a photo of her was released, and it's it's a great looking costume. Hey, we have breaking news. We do. So I looked. I was googling just like NYCC recap, and um, the first item that came up was a AV Club post on uh, the Totoro costume. Oh, and you're featured in the picture for it. Oh, great! It's kind of yeah, great. We're in the uh, the the backstage area, getting ready for putting that, putting that costume go. on. Norm, you made. You made one of the top-searched New York Comic Con recap posts. Huzzah! All right, let let's keep let's barrel through the the pop culture so that Jeremy can get back involved in this podcast. Well, we I'm gonna talk yeah. about Marvel all day. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we we do we are short on time this week. All right, all right. All right. You've been watching Luke Cage. I haven't finished it. Have you started? I we were done. Thought we were done with the no no. <laughs> No, I, I haven't watched Luke Cage. Should I watch it? We sh- y- yes. Yes, you should watch Luke Cage. It's 
not as it's not up to par as Daredevil, mm-hmm. but the music is amazing. Oh, we have to talk about the music, Jeremy. Okay, cool. Because I think the music is like in the in genres that you'll really enjoy. This is some of the best music that I've seen in a TV show. Crazy. What Dan- a- Danica and Rebecca um, did a road trip last week while I was in New York to go to LA for a special presentation of the Luke Cage soundtrack played live by an orchestra. What's so special about the soundtrack? It's actual band. So one of the key set pieces is this club that uh, one of the villains runs. And he has music acts come play through in this club. And they're different like R&B acts, jazz acts, soul acts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just really well tied into the theme of that episode as well. And the music is just spectacular. Sold. I'll watch it. Yeah. It's live music written in the story. And then also they, they use music as a way to change the tone of action so it's not just like serious gritty action to make it a little bit more of the era of of of, of maybe a little bit of the black exploitation era but a little more jazzy but also like not as serious and gritty even right. though things you know it's still gangsters shooting up barbershops yeah let's talk about some of the other the the two other big sci-fi kind of pop culture items that that are dropping this week we haven't talked about Westworld. Have you seen it, Jeremy? All right, so I did my homework for you watching did. Westworld, which is to watch the 1973 Michael Crichton movie. Ooh. Which I'd nice. never done. always wanted to see. You know, it's like early sci-fi. Anything pre-Star Wars is interesting because they didn't know any better. <laughs> so I, I couldn't wait to watch it. It's, I, uh, I had a free night with my nine-year-old son. I said, hey, it's PG. Let's watch that. Well, it turns out, turns out it would have been PG-13 if they had the rating around then. Freaked the hell out of both of us by the end of the movie. If you haven't seen, have you seen it? I've seen it, but it's been a forever. Okay, so it's to- it's totally mundane. I mean, it's like a fun like sci-fi western up until like the last half hour when it turns into a horror film, and we we were just both screaming our heads off, looking at each other like laughing. But then like that the the rest of the night he was uh, he was not he did not feel safe. Oh, let's just say. Well, Westworld nineteen seventy three was like the original Terminator story. Yeah, We're talking about a killer robot, a robot exactly. gun rogue, hunting down these two humans. There's one guy, one protagonist by the end, and you know it was also made in the era of like Logan's Run, where they had it was tried to be like very titillating, and but also was like a trying to be like this this uh, dystopian uh, foreshadowing of the the, the future. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you you can also see it as a precursor to Jurassic Park. Absolutely, as Michael Crichton both yeah. written and directed in the case of Westworld. Uh, story. I didn't realize he was such a commodity then that he could direct a film. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but now I'm ready to watch the TV series. Can't oh, wait. Oh, so we basically we can't talk about. The TV I've series. only seen episode one. How so we we can't talk about the TV. How series. far are you? It's only two episodes of count so so far. So, so are I've you seen current? Both twice. I got to say that first episode is a. It's really different from the Crichton piece. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really different. And is one of the more intriguing HBO premieres in a long time. I'll just leave it there. Yeah, six million people watched it and well deserved. Wow, because the I hype can't... it lives up to the hype. I can't tell if it's going to be great or terrible, but that first episode was incredible. It's the kind of thing that after you, um, it left with so many questions. So the the show that people inevitably compare it to is Game of Thrones as a big blockbuster, hundred million dollar TV series uh, on HBO. But Game of Thrones, at least when that premiered, people had a sense of the story and 
because of the books. Mm-hmm. Here, it's what you have as a guiding line is the old movie and um, the nineteen seventy three movie, but so quickly they spell with those ties and tell you that this is not what you're expecting. I mean, I, at some point you expect the robots to go rogue, but the way they're telling the story and who the perspectives are mm-hmm. and well we talked about it a couple weeks ago yeah, it's yeah. Front, you sympathize with the robots absolutely and the robots seem to be the heroes of the story and uh, at least at least they're as equal the protagonists as some of the human characters i think it's a great angle um well, we will come back and talk we about will come back to a it. lot. I will also give a, uh, a tease. Uh, I was in L.A. yesterday, and I recorded an episode of Creature Geek with Len and Frank, and we did talk about Westworld quite a bunch. So that will be out, I believe, uh, in a week, that episode. Nice. I First time fix. on that podcast? Yeah, and I got my, I got my Westworld fix because no one else around me has seen the show. I've seen episode one. I'm, not, I'm like two days behind or whatever, three days behind. No, give you're, me a, you're break. a week behind because they released episode two couple days early because of the debate. Oh, oh really? Yeah. They released it on last Thursday <laughs> right. as opposed to Sunday. Well, we've buried the lead for a while. This morning, a new trailer for a, sm- a small action film is coming out. What's it called? Uh, uh, Rouge One. Rouge, Rouge One. Rouge One, yeah. Did you watch it? Did everyone here watch it? Yeah, I did. Is Joey out of ear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> ear sight? Am, oh, am I terrible. crazy or is this possibly the best Star Wars movie ever? I mean, this trailer and the, no, it's and not the last possible. one, it make, I think it looks fantastic. It's not possible. They're hitting every note right, and I, and I just can't believe that it's going to be as good as the trailer makes it look to wait, be. Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? What's, what is Previous? the best Star well, I, Wars I mean, movie? Right, I would say, you know, everyone says Empire, but I think Star Wars Episode Four is, is the best. I mean, because it, it's all original, and fair, they, they fair hit, it was treated like a full arc. And I love the movie, then Empire, and then Jedi, and then, you know, whatever. I will say that my favorite growing up was Jedi. Ugh. I had the Jedi trash can. I mean, I love Jedi. It was the right age. I was right age four. Yeah. For Jedi. Right. I and mean, I, I was, I'm uh, older than you, and I love Jedi. And the space battles in Jedi. Oh, yeah. Space battles were better Epic. looking. Yeah. But I'm still left with that stupid song but, at the end. No, stop. So for all those original films, everyone in those films, you had the sense that they believed that they were there. So I could suspend yeah. my disbelief. Like they did. It, the problem with the prequels and even to some extent episode seven is you get the sense everyone knows they're in a Star Wars film. And it's almost self-referential. And I, I have a harder time you know, be- suspending my disbelief because I know that Han Solo is making jokes in episode seven because he's in a star wars film and and i it's great for kids and i get other people love it but for me i just i couldn't get there with those i couldn't get to that same like belief and depth of the first three whereas this one the rogue one i it just looks to me like all of the actors are just more into it that they're that they believe that they are they've taken on that role and they are they have gone deep with it, and I, and I can't wait to see this movie. Well, they had more free reign for the storytellers right. to create an original story. With I mean, the, the constraints were really one one sense of an idea. You know, let's what, what happened to the rebels who stole the plans? Yeah, so we know the the ending is set, and that's about it. Well, not even only that the pl- some plans were stolen, and are two and Leia, Princess Leia has them. Yeah, that's all that's set. But we don't know who survives, who dies, how they actually stole the plans, how the plans came to be. The trailer, this trailer actually gives a little bit more of the plot than I think people needed. The yeah. last trailer And let's not fine. talk about that yeah. Yeah. plot point. Uh, it did give a lot more shape to our main character, mm-hmm. for sure, which I thought was great. 
uh, I was in a in a car with Joey this morning, and uh, you know he doesn't watch any trailers, but we were talking about it briefly. I called this, especially given the week in American news that we've had, I called this trailer the audacity of hope. It was very hopeful, uh, in the context of a movie that we know expect to be tragic. Um, there was lots of conversation about about hope and and fighting and you know uniting together. Right. Did you walk away with that same vibe too? High stakes. Yeah. I I and, actually and you, think it was a little over the top with well, that. The other thing that I uh, liked about this trailer is the thing that's least present in the trailer from the Star Wars universe, the Force. No, but they talk about it in this trailer. Very loosely, and the character that does is not a Jedi. Well, there's no Jedi in this movie. Exactly. That's probably why. Yeah, we don't know that. Star, yeah, a, we don't know that. Fine. There, it's a Star Wars movie where the Force is not the thing that's the the through line. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I The poster looks great. I'm not a fan of the Darth Vader head in the background. It looks a little cartoony to me. Kind of looks like Trump hang, hanging out behind Clinton hey, during the debate. No politics, dude. <laughs> that was my favorite line. I think Gary retweeted somebody said that. Um, no, but I think... I think the poster looks okay i agree with you the vader in the background not the not the greatest thing ever um but the uh she looks great in the in this like felicity um in the poster especially and she has that like texture on her face that's mm -hmm. supposed to maybe evoke plans that's our plans oh i didn't know or that, the possibly. texture of the death, death star itself I, I wondered about that. Yeah, I'm really excited. The character I'm most excited about is the droid. Oh yeah, Alan uh, Tudyk. Yeah. yeah, freaking awesome. Yeah, it looks like a droid with a little attitude. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, man, this this could be great. No, no, it can't surpass four and five. I mean, there's too much nostalgia in the way of it of it superseding. If it those. surpassed Jedi, that would be amazing. This is true. This is true. All right, all right, all right. Now that we've built up hope for everybody. Well, um, we're going to talk a little more about, I just want to talk a little bit more about Star Wars. Um, the, uh, yesterday, I was in L.A., and I visited um, Prop Store, the, the people who um, they do auctions for collectibles and uh, mem movie memorabilia, and they're currently running a big auction uh, with Phil Tippett. Uh, Phil Tippett, creature, animator, Artist who worked on Star Wars, Starship Troopers, a bunch of films. Um, most recently, worked with Frank on the uh, the, the Jarek chess set recreation in Force Awakens. Uh, Phil is selling a bunch of his uh, collection. Wow! So we're talking about um, maquettes, sculpts, um, lots of uh, art artwork. Robocop. Yeah, he did. He did uh, Ed two hundred nine, and Kane. The actual Kane is being sold. The big Kane. Why is he doing an auction? Um, I think. Well, one, it's not at all his entire collection. I think it's just some stuff that he doesn't want to store and he wants to part with. And two, he wants. I think he wants funding for his other projects for um, his Mad God, his passion project. So we got to get up close, and we've seen some of these things at Tippett Studio when we visited. But now they were like cleaned up. Uh, inventory got up close with a ton of stuff. Flipped through some, some folios and some binder with like, from Jurassic Park. Some crazy like script notes, sketches, 
original sketches from Star Wars is this for like, Tauntauns. Is this like, was he involved with the stop motion early test for Jurassic Park? Yeah. Oh, yes. The, the animatics. Yeah. You know those? He did the animatics. Really? You can find them on YouTube where they, there was two of them. You mean um, before they committed to CG? Before they committed to CG. I, actually, I'm not sure about the timeline here, but he did animatics for the raptor kitchen scene and also the T-Rex uh, big attack on the two Jeeps wow. scene. And you can find those on YouTube. They're completely done in stop motion. I think they were done, I want to say, after they decided to go with CG as a way for the animate, CG animators to, to uh, you know, not exactly rotoscope, but use as reference. Wow, yeah. But there are, like, props from those animatics that are a part of this auction. It was just really cool. I think the coolest part isn't the, the tangible painted props and the maquettes. It was going through the notes and thousands of pages of artwork and, and, and production material. Um, I don't know. The Tauntaun maquettes are pretty cool. There's a Tauntaun maquette. There's an original Tauntaun sketch of something that doesn't even look like a Tauntaun, but it's one of the ideas that, that may have been a Tauntaun. I yeah. wonder how many people these will end up going to, you know, because these are going to be expensive items. Well, there's a whole range. Like the, some of the artwork, is, it's like fifty bucks, hundred bucks, and yeah, but isn't it's an auction? You don't know it's, what it's yeah, going to be. You're right, but there's so much of it. Yeah. That like I want to get some in on some of that Jurassic Park. Yeah. Artwork. I know the Star Wars stuff will probably be more difficult to get, but the JP stuff, like JP, yeah. are we calling it JP now? Looks looks good though. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, uh, I think it's just propstore.com slash auction. And I also got to chat with Brandon Ellinger, who runs Prop Store. He wrote the, he and two other authors uh, were the ones behind the Ralph McQuarrie book that just got released. Oh, um, awesome. So, which is a incredible book. It's a two-tome, 800-page book that um, we did a video with him about the research and the, the going into the archives and taking photos of all and scanning all the p- original pieces of Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie artwork that people have never seen before. All right, we're on a tight timeline, so it's time to zip to the future. Ah, we never heard about your one-star Uber drive. Oh, oh um, it was a terrible driver. Getting, getting, getting back to the airport, I gave myself two hours to get from Manhattan to New Jersey. It took 40 minutes to get into the Lincoln Tunnel. And so getting into New Jersey, it was smooth sailing up to the airport until the driver took a wrong turn, didn't say anything. I was following it, freaking out on my phone, and it, it took another 10-minute detour because he took a wrong exit. Oh. One star. Oh, that oh feels God. like an honest mistake. I have a related tech story. Um, I couldn't get an Uber downtown because, or at the down at the bay because it was Fleet Week last weekend, yeah. which is when everyone you know cleared out the air and they fly jets and cool stunts. Couldn't get a ride, so I tried Lyft for the first time. Yeah. I was down there with my two kids. Lyft driver made it just fine. They came and picked us up, hopped in the car, and, um, you know, perfectly nice guy. But he had, uh, like, this, like, you know, 101 BPM, like, radio on, like, all the techno music. And on comes this song with, like, this catchy hook that's like, I'm feeling sexual. We should be sexual. And two minutes later, like, you this... Chorus repeats 10 times. My daughter, the six-year-old, starts singing this song in the back seat. Guy doesn't care. He just he like turn it off? No, no awareness whatsoever. Did just you ask per- him to turn it off? No, but I mean, like, what am I going to say? Like, is this appropriate for a six-year-old? Like, you, he should know this. And so uh, that was my Lyft experience, my one and only Lyft experience. Wow. And now my daughter, whatever. 
right. <laughs> All right, let's make the easy transition to the Note 7 conversation. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the garbage fire that has been the Note 7 recall now. Um, I think there's still 200,000 phones out in the wild. It's, it's not just recall. Like they, they have stopped. They, they've canceled production. Note That's 7 it. is gone. The phone is dead. The, I don't know when the last time in recent memory a phone this widespread, this expensive, this high in a product has been straight up canceled. Aside from, you know, the Amazon Fire phone. But that was due to lack of interest. Yeah, lack of sales and interest. (laughs) This one, they still don't legitimately know what's wrong. Right. Uh, So it's a lead up, because this is one of those things that as it developed, people are like asking tougher questions. So you had a fire, or you had a phone catch on fire while it was charging. And a couple instances happened before Samsung did a software update, which we talked about, which prevented the phone from charging full capacity. And they thought that would be sufficient. Then they did a replacements, and the replacements were very slow. They were very slow to go get to that point to get phones replaced. And it wasn't a mandatory replacement. It was optional. So people got their replacement phones. And then since then, I think five cases of phones have been have caught of replacement phones caught on fire like you're doing a tally now how many women have come out claiming donald trump have had harassed them and how many samsung phones have caught on fire they're both at five right now <laughs> so a couple days ago samsung that's decided, a weird way for me to root for the note seven <laughs> to win. i'm not sure um and the faa had uh, one of the phones that did catch on fire was on an airplane it was in storage and it burned like the storage, the the carpet area of the airplane where the phone is being stored. The airplane, thankfully, was fine, landed safely. They evacuated, though. Did they evacuate? Yeah. They had to because of the smoke. Mm. Um, so it was before takeoff. On my flight back from New York, they made an announcement on the flight saying, if they you have been a, for a while. A, a, if Note 7, turn it off, power it off completely down, and, you know, it, that's got to be an FAA mandate because every airline's doing that. Yeah. TSA has been instructed to look for them, look for the Note Seven. Wow. In some cases, yep. So completely now end of production. The phone is dead. It's like you said, a couple hundred thousand phones out there. Samsung's taking a big hit with their expectations on their revenues. They've made a rebound on the stock market, but they got crushed for a while. And they had to also send out these these bags, these fireproof bags <laughs> no, for just, everyone oh, who has this Note is, 7. This is my favorite part. So FedEx, UPS, and the U.S. Postal Service won't accept returns uh, fr- of the Samsung things that go on planes because they're basically forbidden on planes. And so there's a fireproof return kit um, that has a thermally insulated outer box with a ceramic fiber paper lining with two interior boxes so that uh, essentially, like even if the interior catches on fire, the exterior might not. I don't know. Um, it's crazy. We don't know if the fireproof box works. By the way, Jeez. no, we don't. Yeah. Um, what, what the sad part about this is? So, cell phone recycling is already kind of problematic as it stands in terms of our ability to recycle some of the, uh, you know, precious um, uh, metals that are inside, and. Essentially, none of these Note 7s are, or very few of them are going to recycled. Yeah. So the waste that's generated from the Note 7 is pretty incredible. At huge cost, too, to dispose of them. Yeah, so what a what a terrible thing. 
Um, there's some information now about what's been going on with Samsung behind the scenes as they're trying to address this the situation. Is it and literally that dog in the room that's on fire? That GIF? Basically, because they one there were reports about when people when uh, when the recall or when the um, the exchange happened and some of the people got their replacement phones had their phones on fire, like Samsung accidentally texted one of them with like a, oh if he doesn't do anything let's uh maybe let's let this go away like they were just pretending it didn't happen until more reports surfaced um and in trying to identify the problem they have been unable to do so they had their testers try to recreate the problem but the the issue with their process is they didn't allow apparently the testers to communicate with each other because they didn't want in their system emails about the problem so the whole thing's been a big mess um, it's terrible. It sucks. It sucks for everyone. It sucks for everyone who bought a phone. I think they're offering a hundred dollars off a, a another Samsung phone. Wait, no, what? thank you. What are you talking about? That ain't even remotely enough. What are you talking about? If I get, if I give back my Note Seven, I don't get a full re. I must get a full refund. No, I think here's what it is. Um, hold on. Uh, let me read it specifically so I don't I don't get this this part wrong. Uh, you get refunds along with a $25 credit. That was the initial one. Now you get refunds uh, along with a $100 credit if you get a um, a new oh, Samsung phone. If you don't switch to iPhone. Yeah, the $25 uh, credit is if you switch to another brand. Craziness. Uh, it That's pretty weak sauce. I understand there's so many out there that you know doing much more might be too big of a financial hit. Weak. That's what I have to say because... There's people that were physically injured by this. I'm sure they're they're probably gonna file a lawsuit. They get more than twenty five bucks. Yeah, but at the same time, just terrible. Yeah. Okay, terrible. Let's go to more optimistic phone news. Yeah, we didn't have you on the podcast last week, so we didn't go super in depth with the Woo-hoo! Google Pixel announcement made by Google. Are you getting this? Uh, I am getting the Pixel, um, partially because I mean, let's call it what it is. It looks like an iPhone. It's the iPixel. I think design-wise, it does look like an iPhone. Mm-hmm. You're moving a lot of eyebrows. Ah, it just seems like every phone kind of looks like an iPhone now. No, I mean, but this the design of this specifically, like they remove like the bump off the last Nexus phone. It has like kind of the rounded edges. It mm-hmm. has a very iPhone-esque feel, okay. I think. I mean, the b- only difference is that I think the fingerprint scanner being on the back, which I prefer over on the front. Uh, I'm excited about it. Big question mark for me is they made a huge deal that the camera on this has been benchmarked and it's the best camera you've seen mm-hmm. uh, on a Google phone. That's fine and dandy. I want to see it in real world applications to see how that works. They also fixed the um, one of the biggest complaints I've had with the Nexus phone is the uh, data transfer um, to to storage, which they've now gone to a different protocol. Now it should be faster. So like any of the problems you know, people have had with cameras saving images quickly should be resolved. Those are all great improvements. It just seems like a, a faster phone. We'll see how the Snapdragon, I think it's 821 in there, mm. I want to say. Uh, I think that processor is great. It looks like a great phone. I haven't gotten my hands on it. Some of the first reviews are coming out right now. Um, when I pre-ordered the the Pixel XL, I got the XL because same size as my 6P. Is that the bigger one? Yeah. Yeah. 
XL? Yes, the XL <laughs> is the bigger one. You're getting your free Daydream VR Yes, headset. I'm getting a free Daydream along with it. I'm not super high on the Daydream. I think your discussion of it last week was pretty much spot on. But I'm not going to complain about it coming bundled with my Pixel XL. You know, not to go back to Samsung, the thing that we forgot to mention last week is that price-wise, the Gear VR is technically $100. I know they offered one free as an option for that or a watch so people bought the new Galaxy phones. So in your mind, it's it's free, but it's, it's still 100 bucks. Yeah. And I think that's probably overpriced. Well, Daydream's 20 bucks less than that. Yeah. 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 We also said it was an RFID or an NFC, NFC but it, it turns out it wasn't. It's not an NFC, okay. No, someone corrected us. Mm. All right, sorry, Kishore. Yeah, so I don't have much else to say on the about the Pixel that uh, outside what I've, I've said, there's nothing revolutionary in it, uh, but at the same time, it seems like Google's like rounding out some of the features. Uh, I'm really interested in getting my hands on this idea of a 7.1 uh, operating that's going to be slightly you know, uh, more geared to us. We can talk about the assistant out the wazoo, but until the assistant is in your hands and in real world situations, it'll be hard to say, you know, how, how it actually is going to function with it integrated in everything. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going full bore. I want, um, I, I ordered the pixel XL and I got Google home, yeah. which is the product I think I was most excited about from that entire made by Google presentation. And you already have an echo. I have an echo. Yeah. Great. I'd like to see hear how they compare. So my hope for this, and you know, again, we got very limited information. The demo itself, they didn't actually bring it on stage. They showed it in a you know video uh, demo. Uh, what I'm excited about is I have a Gmail account. I have like Android devices for a long period of time. Google knows much more about me than Amazon does, and so I'm going. I'm going to sit them side by side, the Echo and the. Uh, and the home and really compare if that extra bit of knowledge really comes through. If they're making this bet on assistant really improving my life, that should be reflected in home. Uh, so while I care about some of the speaker and all of that component, like is it going to be smart enough to be to do some predictive tasks, which is where Alexa basically stops right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can get us there, uh, I think home will be the runaway monster hit. I mean, Alexa already, I mean, the Echo, sorry, I keep saying Alexa. Sorry. <laughs> sorry to all the listeners out there. Yeah. The uh, the Echo has already proven the market for that. I mean, that's been a runaway hit. What d- type of predictive work do you want a uh, her to do? Already right now, Google on my phone will tell me, like, it's time to leave for X appointment. Right, but or that's when you X- look at your phone. How do you want a speech assistant to be active? I would love for a visual cue to pop up. Like, it, it has color display on mm-hmm. the top for you know its ring just like the echo does um but this has multi-color display i'd love for them to basically use that you know limited ability for it to light up on top if it needs me to know something hmm. um i think that's one way to go uh i think it can actually interrupt my life like the computer does in star trek actually say something to me you notice the computer only interrupts people in star trek when no one else is talking yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe they're also prescient in terms of voice recognition yeah. And technology. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how well it ties to, you know, some of the music services and a Chromecast, which they made a big deal about as well. Yep. Um, if that's going to make basically my living room much more hands free, um, I think that's a great investment. I'm also going to try it in a different room than where my Echo is. So my Echo has lived in my kitchen. It's been great there. 
It's been a huge changer. But this one I'm going to try out in the living room. Here, here's the thing that I like, um, uh, uh, the potential of the home that I, I'm really excited for, um, is that when you do searches, that's part of your, your profile. And so for the, the example I like to use is when I get in the car and want directions, I actually don't search the directions on my phone in the car. Before I leave my desktop, I do a Google Map search for location. And then when I open Google Maps on my phone in the car, that is immediately the first result because they know it's the last thing I search. It gets the idea that even if it's not designed that way, it gets the idea that, okay, maybe that's some place I'm interested in going in. And so if I can do that with home, because Echo stores all your your um, your searches as well, but that's more for error correction. You can look in all the, your queries, your queries in the app, and say, "Was this actually what you're looking for?" But it doesn't tie to any other service naturally or, or things I use. Yeah. So if there are ways in which you can interact with Home, just as an off chance, like whether it's movie times, restaurants, or or um, directions, or email, or something, but then as just like as a starting point to to know what your activity is. Yeah. And then when you get into your phone or the places where you're out in the world, then those things get pulled up. Like maybe you could ask at what time the movie theater closes and then you say, can you send directions to my phone or something like that? Right. Or if you ask, What's, what, mov- what movies are available? And then, you know, when you pull up an app on your phone, it'll have, it'll have like some movie listings. Right. Like it'll just like pr- these kind of pre-searches. Because mm-hmm. uh, you use Google and so- search and maps and email, you know, Gmail, and so it's it's already part of that your life. It's interesting that Apple is not even a part of this conversation. You know, I mean, they had the they had Siri before anybody was doing much of anything else, and it's just completely stagnated. People should read Mossberg's article on The Verge this week called "Why Is Siri So Dumb?" Right, because he really he it's a real send up and well deserved. Yeah, and and you know when someone as mainstream as Mossberg can, wants to complain about Siri, it's it's gotten to a point where that's. Exactly. Big problem. Because he used to be Apple's PR guy, practically. Like, the guy they would always put up on the billboard who hailed Apple as being the best of the best Mm -hmm. when he worked for Wall Street Journal. And so if he's making this kind of comment, they better take a listen. Yeah. Uh, You know, Siri, the people who made Siri spun off another company called Viv, and Samsung bought Viv. So the speculation is that that will probably be replacing S-Voice in the Galaxy S8 next year. Uh. One last thing from the the Google thing that you barely touched on last week that we should talk about is the fact of Google Wi-Fi, the mesh router system, which I think you are kind of excited about. I'm excited about all these mesh Wi-Fi systems because I'm, I'm, I love Eero. It has solved my problem. I installed Amplify two days ago. Totally solved my, it's great, my right? home networking and issues. And the too. Google solution is more comparable to that one in price, right? 350 Yeah. And uh, I'm just really curious if it works i'm sure it does if it if it works then then hallelujah i think it's actually going to be the most reasonable price point because google has definitely um brought in some reasonable hardware pricing in the Mm -hmm. past so like i wouldn't be surprised if their next iteration uh even goes further down in price because all of these devices i mean pixel xl excluded which was basically iphone level price i mean google home at 129 the uh, the Wi-Fi at three hundred something for a pack of three. These are all like fairly reasonable pricing. I'm a little pressure. disappointed that Home and Wi-Fi aren't one product because that would be ideal. Because if you're putting three things around your house, they yeah. might as well be a mesh voice assistant as well. It's why we talked about on Hub. Why it didn't have? Well, why wasn't that Home? 
yeah. to start with. Maybe just uh, different teams. I would say the biggest question I have about all of the this ecosystem, excluding the phone, is a year from now, are we going to be still talking about these same, same products or is there going to be a next iteration and these lose support? Well, I like what Amazon's already talked about, their next version of Echo, and that's coming out this month, actually, where they're now a mesh network where one will listen to you and only one will respond. And so you'll be able to put these the discs throughout your house. They're much cheaper. You can buy them in six packs and throw them throughout your house and uh, just basically talk to the Star Trek computer. Speaking of Echo, did you get the update this week on Amazon Music Unlimited? Yeah. Or see that announcement at uh-huh. least? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so they're basically going to release a music streaming competitor to Spotify and Apple Music, which um, will expand upon the existing Apple streaming service, which everyone in Prime already has. Uh, if you belong to Prime, you get 2 million songs for free that you can stream from you know, your um, Amazon devices, including Alexa. But the new service will have 10 times as many songs, and it will cost $4 if you're just using it over Echo, which is a great deal, $4 a month. If you're not, then it's comparable to the other services, 8 or $10 um, if you're going to use your phone based on whether or not you have Prime. Um, and that's, you know, unfortunately, that's a, I don't know if I want a second streaming service, but at $4, maybe, because we all are often in the kitchen trying to play music that we don't have on Amazon. So it's it's an interesting idea. I don't understand what... They, they've also announced a, like a, a, subs, um, a second feature to this, which is like Alexa will act as a DJ, where she'll actually introduce songs and tell you facts about them afterwards. Oh. I don't know if she's going to make the best DJ. Wait, wait. Is that the role of a DJ, to give you facts about a song afterward? Yeah, you know. Like, they come back and they say, that was from 1991's oh, number you, you, one you album. Oh, you mean like a radio right. disc jockey, right. not like a club DJ. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get ready for the drop, Jeremy. Right, exactly. So she's not, I don't know if she's that kind of personality, but I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I'm I'm glad that they're doing it, I, although I think I use streaming services almost exclusively for my phone, so I don't know how useful it's going to be. Yeah, I, I question, I'm I not going to pay $4 just for it to be located in my kitchen. Right. That's, it. that's the question. Yeah. That's it. Though, with all of this, we have to talk about one key thing. Are we going to have enough data for all of this from our internet service provider? Because we got some data caps rolling out. Are we all on Comcast? Yeah. For data? Yeah. What do you mean I have a yeah. data cap rolling out? In November, Comcast announced they're rolling out a one terabyte data usage cap in, um, it's not a cap, I mean, but essentially they're going to start billing you more uh, in our market here. Do I have a cap now? No. Really? Now, one terabyte sounds like a lot. I wonder, like, I actually don't know how much I use. Do you, either of you know how much you use? You can check. Uh, I think I'm in the couple hundred gigs. I don't think I'm going to get up to a terabyte. Although, you know, it is precedent because we never thought we'd use all of Gmail storage. And now I pay for Gmail. Cause Me too. It's, yeah, you just run it, out of storage over time. So I have to say, though, that what irritates me about this, and I think what irritates most people, is that you're not paying for the right thing. They're they're basically making heavy data users pay extra. But the data costs them basically the same. It's not like you're paying for the congestion or the or peak usage, which actually causes them traffic problems. Because like the data itself is the same, whether it's That's 3 a.m., yeah, so it should be like some cities have electronic rates that fluctuate throughout the day. So that's that's right. Hmm, I like your thinking. So that's what irritates the the snot out of me about this is it just is a money grab. 
It's not a cent. It's not one that's actually going to improve a service for everyone else. Hmm. Because if you had a system where Netflix was cheaper, basically at nine o'clock, like watching streaming was slightly cheaper at nine o'clock than it was at six. No, that's not net neutrality. No, I know it's not net neutrality, but like it, like I'm just giving like a what if scenario. If, if, if there was a congestion model. Yeah. It's like the HOV lane. It's only for certain hours. All right, all right, fine. I don't like it. But isn't we're getting fiber eventually here, right? I mean, why are they doing this now? It seems like they should like they're on the defensive with Google and fiber companies rolling in. I mean, there's a fire there is a fiber optic provider for the area that Norm and I live in in the city. Right. Um, but I haven't heard great things about it yet. Oh, really? It hasn't been rolled out to enough customers to feel like you have total confidence in it. Hmm. You know, speaking of um you know, web traffic and data. We didn't talk about Plex Cloud either, which was what's a Plex of, Cloud a couple uh, couple of weeks ago, end of September. Um, there, you know how you, the way you can run Plex today. You build a NAS at home. You you put your terabytes of media on it, and you can run a server uh, on that tr- computer that NAS that can distributes over your bandwidth um, to any device, and you can pay for, I believe, p- the Plex Pass that gives you. Um, Access on all your devices for for uh, coding and, and so you can like download onto your iPad for use on a plane exactly. or you can exactly. stream to wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. So there's a new Plex cloud service that's partnered or using AWS Amazon Web Services. So you uh, pay for Amazon Drive sixty dollars a year for unlimited storage, and you tie that with your Plex Pass, and then you can run the Plex cloud software on your Amazon Drive and not have to have a NAS at home. Wait a minute. So there's no you don't pay Plex. You do pay Plex your uh, five dollars a month to use a Plex, pa- Plex Pass. So it's still just five dollars for this additional huh. feature, but sixty dollars a year for Amazon, for Amazon Drive. And so it's it's possible because web storage is so cheap now um, that you basically at seventy at sixty dollars as long as your bandwidth is is high enough and the encoding is all done, so it's not even that high bandwidth, then you can get all your media up, up load, uploaded to Amazon and then stream it down to any device. It's $60 for unlimited um, space? $60 and, for unlimited storage for a year. And do you get to put other stuff up there? Non-media stuff? I believe you. Yeah. Oh. I, I believe... Um, when that's you, actually not bad. Yeah. Huh. I don't want to put it on Amazon Drive. That's the thing. That's service. That's yeah. the wrong service provider. Why? Well, because I'd so much rather it be... Google Drive, or which has Dropbox a, or additional functionality. It because oh. Amazon Drive doesn't have like other features. Like mm. Dropbox has the easiest um, uh, sharing capabilities. Yeah. Google Drive has the additional functionality of all of the suite of apps on top of it. Um, Maybe that's why it doesn't cost that much because they figured they cut down on the bandwidth cost. If you're and not, if Amazon, you're sharing it. Amazon's willing to subsidize, uh, you know, customer acquisition. Yeah, maybe. Speaking of customer acquisition, Amazon is expanding to a place I never thought I would see. Really? Brick and mortar grocery stores. The oh, Amazon supermarket? Amazon grocery are opening Wait, up brick and mortar stores. Like they're going to have a little quadrant in existing grocery stores? They're, no. Pop they're going to open up their own Why? grocery store. What's the point? It, apparently, they, um, they're going to use these as hubs for delivery. For Amazon Fresh. 
Yeah. And they said, well, if we're going to have these locations already where shoppers are going through, like our shoppers are going through to deliver items, could we open them up to Jeez. people just to come in and buy things well, as well? I wonder, does that... <laughs> Does this lead to them opening up their warehouses for people to explore like regular items too? That would be interesting. Know. Like Costco. Do either of you have Amazon Fresh? Because they just changed their pricing too. No. It used to be two hundred ninety nine dollars a year, which is really a, a exceptional amount of money. I thought, and now it's down to fifteen dollars a month, which is still one hundred eighty bucks a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not cheap, but it's one hundred eighty bucks a year plus ninety nine dollar membership fee so it's like close to the same price what does it get you well if it's monthly versus a yearly thing you get the you can what is the service get you the service gets you it's you get free delivery and shopping from amazon fresh okay but all right what do you mean free shopping not free like you get to you can't order from amazon fresh otherwise right that's just odd why do we need a membership to order from Amazon Fresh? I mean, that the Prime Now thing is completely included in Prime. That's two-hour delivery for anything that they have. Well, it's just like Google Shopping Express. Yeah, uh, you have to have a subscription service to get the convenience of buying things. And even Amazon Prime, there is a fee. Prime Now, you or mean? Prime Now, there's a fee for uh, this. And then same you're hour supposed shipping. to tip too. Yeah, which right. increases the cost pretty significantly. There's not a fee. There's a minimum amount. Minimum amount, but yeah. then also tip. The tip is right. the fee we consider that. I don't know. Seems like it should be free. I mean, not free, but, you know, included in Prime membership. No, I understand what you mean. But the Prime membership is is relatively cheap. If they're going to operate grocery stores where you have to throw away a lot of product, um, I I understand why there's a separate fee for Amazon Fresh. But uh, presumably I don't need a, even a Prime membership to go shop there. Like, I could just walk in if it's a grocery store. Yeah, I don't know. I would think they make it membership like Costco. <laughs> With produce? Sure. All right. Why not? Whatever. I don't understand the future. All right. Well, there is one last story we have about the future, and it's the White White House Frontiers is happening right now. The White House is hosting a basically a conference on frontiers in in research that's largely focused on AI. Um, and I don't know if you saw that this week, but um, the president uh, basically guest edited uh, an edition of Wired, and he sat down with Scott Dadich and. Uh, Joy Ito, who heads MIT Media Lab, for a long-ranging discussion, and they talked a lot about AI. Mm. And it was fascinating what the president said about this. It showed a lot of nuance in his understanding. It's not a video, is it? It is. There is a video of it. I'm watching this. Um, The nuance he said was, and this is really backed by uh, what has been coming out of Media Lab, is this idea of we can program AI to make, um, to be smart. Uh, to do the right thing, but where is it getting its value system? And the example I heard them uh, um, discuss in an article was the idea if we have these autonomous vehicles that are going to swerve to you know, avoid the accident, this is the trolley problem, and it has to essentially take a life to save a life. How does uh, it yeah. making those decisions? How are we embedding morality into the AI? And that's a place we're not at yet. He used to watch Star Trek too. <laughs> he did talk about Star Trek. And the president talked about his joy of of watching Star Trek because of how hopeful it is. Hmm. It's great. It's great. Uh, I'll definitely put a link in there. But as part of all of this, they are having a conference on it. The White House had announced uh, new funding for AI research in the country. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, uh, but what I was I was deeply deeply impressed with his grasp of the limitations of AI. 
um, but its potential for the future and where those gaps exist right now. And it wasn't just the people don't understand what AI is, which will, has dominated a lot of the conversation, but uh, about how we're developing AI and how you know groups of, of, uh, of uh, research organizations and the government need to work together to actually bring it to fruition in a way that's going to be useful. All right, that concludes technology news for this week. And I want to use this time to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, and that's Dollar Shave Club. Uh, they offer products shipped to you that give you fantastic shaves. Uh, you may have seen their, their razors that they advertise, but you probably, what you probably don't know is that they have plenty of other amazing products that have great quality and to make you look and smell like a million bucks. Um, Dollar Shave Club's got stuff for your hair, for your face, and for your underparts, for everywhere to keep you feeling and looking fresh. And once you're in the club, you'll see they have the best grooming products on the market and also affordable. So right now um, is your chance to uh, join in. And if you're not a member, you haven't joined, now's the time. Get your first month of razors for free. Just pay shipping. It's only a few bucks. So join today. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash test. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash test. And now it's time for... The VR Minute Virtual Reality This Week No science this week Yeah, we're skipping a moment of science But there's plenty to talk about in VR land. I thought we talked about all the VR last week Yeah All of the VR Not How even can there close. be more VR this week? It comes in little hurricanes of VR My goodness Well, let's start with the little thing Did you order a touch? Yes. I ordered my touch. I ordered a touch. You, yeah, <laughs> I did. You know, although I, speaking for the what? How many thousand Kickstarter backers were there? Speaking for the Kickstarter backers, uh, we did not get our priority place in line. Now I'm not complaining because we got a free rift. I'm not complaining, but we were told we would have a priority place in line, and we didn't get one. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm just saying we didn't get one. I have to say the process was smoother, at least. Um, so that leaves me hopeful, question mark, for December 6th. We'll see how it works out. You were given a two-week chip window like I was, I assume? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they said they would have enough for everyone who pre-ordered to get them in December. Sounds great. Which is, uh, well, yeah. Uh, so before we talk about more touch controllers and other things going on with CMVR, uh, it is also the launch of PSVR. Uh, officially, October 13th. Uh, yesterday. yesterday. Today. Today okay. Today for us, yesterday for you listening to this podcast, um, it is the, it's on sale. People yep. who pre-ordered should be getting their shipped, and I'm really curious to what the reception is going to be Me too. from the, the mainstream gamer, yeah. the, the, the quote-unquote core gamer with PS4s. Um, People who have not otherwise tried VR. That's I, right. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a great reception. Have you been playing a lot? Of PSVR, yeah, I wouldn't say a lot, but I have been using it. I have um, the since we recorded our tested review, the uh, Playroom VR was released, which is the it, it's like a the bundle title, it's the free thing everybody gets, and it's 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 a it's a blast. It's the only title available that has is it called asynchronous play? Asymmetrical. Asymmetrical, where there's something different on the TV than the person in VR sees. And it's, it's totally enjoyable. Four people can sit on the couch. As many You can have a whole party because not everyone even needs a controller for half these games. But then they l watch the TV and they have to, in some games, help the person in VR to, to identify, for instance, which bandit to shoot in the saloon. 
or they have to um, work against him in some of the other controller-based games. It's a, it's a blast. And the people on the couch said that this was a great, good experience? Oh, well, yeah. when we played it, it's, uh, it's I was on the person on the couch, or Jeremy was the person on the couch, and I think it's it's it feels like a family game, like the saloon game you're Party talking game. about. Um, doesn't even require the other players to have controllers; right. they're just looking at the TV. And as the player wearing the headset, you don't even need the move controllers; you're using the the DualShock as your your action controller, um, as as your pistol in this case. Now, what we did notice though is for this type of asymmetrical play, so any other PS4 game when it comes uh, or for a PSVR game when it streams to your the um, the breakout box what it sends to you wearing the PSVR and the TV is essentially the same image the TV it's a slightly lower field of view and but you're getting almost exactly the same thing uh, the asymmetrical play what the person on the couch is seeing is sometimes completely different I may see you from a third person. Or get it. Compl- I'm playing a different, whole different character, and so they're rendering a whole lot more. Uh, we did notice that there, there's image compression, so it is H.264 being compressed before p- piped to the TV. Right. And at some places, you can see the compression. Latency didn't seem to be a problem. It wasn't fast, quick response games, um, but it worked. Yeah, it totally worked. It's it is interesting that the TV is not getting a real time uncompressed signal from the PlayStation. They're getting a movie. Um, which that's it, cool. You'd never even know until you see the compression artifacts. But it's interesting. Thanks yeah. for inviting me over, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, I made it awkward. <laughs> I'll sit on the couch and watch. You know, while while your kids are going to bed, three three adult dudes playing PSVR, <laughs> playing some Playroom VR. You two over. They'd never get sleep because they want to ask you questions about Marvel. Oh, yes, I owe you that. Uh, what else is going uh, going on besides PSVR coming out? So uh, the going on this week, still going on right now, is Valve's Steam Dev Days. This is a no-press event, right? So we don't entirely know what's going on, well, but we, can, we have ideas. People are tweeting. People are uh, live. Some people are live blogging. Uh, there's uh, Related to PSVR, I guess, was the announcement that Steam is going to get support, official support for the PlayStation controller, DualShock controller, uh, in Steam, which is great. Um and on the VR side, gosh, where to begin? Uh, Content-wise, they said they're not going to announce a new experience. A Valve experience. A Valve experience. But Until- they would have something to say next year. And crucially, are- you won't be disappointed. Whoa, that's a promise. That's awesome. Are we, are we talking about what we're talking about? I think Half-Life 3 has been announced. No. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> First of all, it wasn't an announcement of any sorts. And I don't know how you can jump to Half-Life 3. Uh, my speculation is that it's portal themed because that's what they that's that Aperture would make Labs more sense in VR. That's what they've been messing with. Uh, Half Life has always introduced innovations, and I think clearly VR is the next one. I thought if they're going to introduce Half Life Three, it would be like a year long scavenger hunt to figure it out. It would be some epic thing. Well, technically, Half Life and, and Portal are the same universe. Oh, so technically, okay. There's no reason it couldn't be. That's a true. Little, little column A, little column B. That's right. All right, okay, so we have... Bearing the lead here, I think. We have that announcement. What's your lead? The, you, the controller. Yeah, I they, think the controller. They've basically... They've, uh, re, it's a very prototype, prototypical controller, but it is much... look. It looks a lot like the touch. Uh, it wraps around your hand, and you hold it more in a grip pose, and um, there's, it's the same sensor tech. So but, this is... A, we're talking about a surprise announcement. In discussing some of the... 
uh, things are coming up for SteamVR, for the HTC Vive. Um, they said that, you know, people are speculating whether there'll be like a headset redesign or like a, re- a readjusted strap, like whether it'll have built-in headphones, stuff like that. But like they also then just drop, we are working, continually working on new controller, new input devices. Well, they had them there. And they had them there for people to use to play certain games. And Call of the Star Seed, which is getting these kind of motion controller controls, is um, had them. And the best way to describe them, because I wouldn't say they're like touch at all. Well, compared to the existing Vive ones, they look right. like touch. So in, in only in that... The Vive that we've talked about, how the Vive controllers and even the motion PS uh, Move controllers are things that you hold, wands that you hold, and um, even to some extent, you're holding the um, the Oculus Touch like you would, you know, the one edge of that the nunchuck of a Wiimote, right? Right. Uh, you're gripping something, um, and when you loosen up the, your fingers and your hand, you, you get the hand, you get the poses and the hand gestures. This seems to be completely different in that. It allows you to wear it without having to grip anything. That's right. You can release all of your fingers, and it remains on your hand because it's strapped to the inner part of your hand, in between your thumb and pointer finger. It's like uh, there are two parts to it. It seems to be a wristband that's wrapped around your wrist, so you can't throw it. Oh, that's good. But then there's also a clamp, like a soft clamp, between your outer hand and going between, like you said, your index finger and your thumb. And what sits in the cup of your hand is then what looks like your Wii Nunchuck. It does look like a Wii Nunchuck, yeah. With a t- your touchpad on the top, your Steam pad touchpad on the top, uh, trigger, and then also presumably uh, capacitive sensors to know when you're gripping this or when you're not gripping it. So Yep, and three tactile buttons. And three buttons. So the advantage, the huge advantage of this is that you can actually let go of things in VR by letting go of a thing in the real world. Now... Oh, that's interesting, right? So you could grab something by actually that by actually grabbing or throw something, throw yeah. a ball by actually releasing the grip, and even with momentum because it's strapped to your wrist and the clamp is supposed to be strong enough that you can actually release f- completely free. Which is what people want to do. Which is why controllers are ending up in people's TVs and walls. That's right. Now we know from our use with Oculus Touch and games like um, Unspoken, when you're, when you're throwing fireballs, to throw a fireball. You're just releasing a trigger, yeah. And even though you're still gripping the the controller, it, I think it's still convincing enough to feel like you're throwing. Right. The thing that we don't know is what psychological effect you'll have, whether it's even more immersive and even more hand presence, if you actually have the ability to release completely. I'm going to say yes. Because I, I think yes, also. That's that's the intuitive thing people want to do, and you have to learn to hold with the lower fingers with the touch. This is weird to describe. There are a couple videos online where you can actually see it in action Mm -hmm. um so uh, check it out because that whole like that gripping piece you're talking about i think was at least for me really hard to grasp just by looking at the videos but or at the pictures but when you saw the video in action you can kind of see how that would be a more comfortable natural well just think about like how it it, it's almost as if there is something uh attached to just your wrist and they're attaching it clamping it to your hand where like pistols, think of a pistol grip that you don't need to hold that's just attached to your wrist that you can release completely or grab. And it has sensors to know that whether you're actually touching it or not touching it. Now, it doesn't look like there are capacitive sensors for individual fingers aside from you know your trigger, grabbing, not grabbing, and thumb, um, which may be enough. So we're, we're actually losing some parity here with the touch controllers for p- developers to make games that have intricate gestures on one and not so much on the other. Um, 
What's also interesting is that at Oculus Connect, there was a whole panel discussion. It's on YouTube now, talking about the development of the touch controllers. And they showed this slide that had photos of all their prototypes, and many of their prototypes for touch, one of which used something similar to this. Like this clamping mechanism where your hand would actually need to hold on to a physical thing. And they clearly chose something different with touch, with their half-moon prototype. And the same idea, on the Valve side, um, Alan Yates has said in the past that they've experimented with something like touch. They called it their uh, cutlass um, controllers. And, but yet they went with the wand-style controller yeah. for the launch of Vive and now are moving to this. They also announced an investment in a company that's um, putting a lot of research into inside-out tracking for VR headsets. Mm. Mm-hmm. And with the o- Oculus prototype that you tried, which we didn't mention, um, the inside-out prototype, um, you might imagine that that's going to be a part of the next Rift, if not you know, just this next wireless Gear VR kind of thing. Um, so I wonder at what point we're not going to need outside-in trackers anymore, or if that will always be necessary for handheld devices. Because I could see how a headset could track itself, but it, the, the field of view wouldn't necessarily cover your hands in all cases. Well, it depends, because if you, if you put Leap Motion or something like that on front of a headset... Yep, but it would have to be within the field of view. Right, right. So how, but how many experiences require your hands to be tracked accurately behind your back? Well, I don't know. Like, imagine you're um, playing Space Pirate Trainer and your shield is over to your left while you're yep. firing at your right. Very good point. Or if you're playing some type of competitive game and you're literally putting your hands behind your back to hide yeah. what you're doing with your hands. So it might be that the outside in, you know, trackers or, in the case of Vive, the lighthouses might be here for a while. And by the way, they announced a new lighthouse coming next year. Well, uh, they didn't announce it. Well, but they, showed a, they, they showed a progression of lighthouse designs. With 2017. Batman, Robin... Right. Batman, Robin, and something else. Yeah, Girl uh, Boy or something like that. Yeah, something smaller, potentially. Uh, the other question is, why don't you... I mean, this seems to be a convergence toward gloves, the things that seamless with your hands and can track where your fingers are. Uh, but the advantage of, of this is that you have these static spots where the, the um, photodiodes are, uh, photosensors are, to see um, the lasers coming from the tracking beacons. Uh but also you get haptic feedback is also an important thing. Right. Yes. That Well, they have to work that into gloves eventually too. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all sci-fi at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe some of the estimates coming out of this that they're adding a thousand new VR users a day? That was the other big announcement. They gave some initial data that would indicate how many sales are happening. What does that mean? That means they might have 300,000 Vives out in the wild. Is it new VR or new st- um, Vive? No, users? it said they said a thousand new VR users are logging on to Steam every day. But the, I mean, you can also use Steam the, VR with the Oculus. I guess so. Yeah. But since sales have been disappointing across both platforms, I think they haven't hit initial targets. I, I wonder if that's true. I don't know. It'll be an interesting holiday. It'll be interesting to see if PSVR sells out or what kind of demand there's for it. All right. Anything else? VR. Um, there's so many. I feel I finally feel like there's a, f- a flood of games coming in with the PSVR launch. Holiday. The holiday with like some of the games that were previously announced for the Rift that launch are now finally coming out. Oh, and uh, Eagle with, Flight's coming out. And with Touch app coming out in mm-hmm. December, there's it's like 30 games from Oculus alone. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, before we were able to just have a handle on every single VR experience out there, everything seemed new. Now it seems like a real buffet. 
of, of content. Do you uh, want to recap anything else from Connect? We did a, uh, we did that a couple times, <laughs> and there's a there's a flurry of videos coming out on tested yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, but I think the the major thing was this new inside out headset that I didn't get to see. Norm was taken behind a closed door by himself. Yep. And it was uh it was pretty cool. I mean, if they've managed to do this inside out tracking using four, p we don't have any information. They wouldn't say, but it looked like four cameras are on the headset itself. Was able to very quickly ascertain the environment and provide tracking. Um, he still had a uh, guardian pop up, which is like a chaperone, so he couldn't go past a certain point in the room. But um, the fact that it even knew where that was or knew he was approaching it is very interesting. I I'm surprised you say that. Be oh, not because of that development but it made it you made it sound like lone echo was the big thing that you Dude, walked away from lone echo for me because i got to see it i mean i didn't get to see what norm saw but i think norm liked lone echo too i think lone echo still is the winner of show even considering santa cruz lone echo is a game uh that has no release date yet but it is for touch and it is amazing um it is a space game with real translation th or real movement through the world no teleporting you're in zero g and you're grabbing the environment and pulling the environment so that you thrust yourself through, then you let go and you float. Your video on Lone Echo is up, right? Yeah. yeah. And the multiplayer is the best experience I've ever had in VR, the most fun I've ever had. And it's like it's a disc game where you're throwing in the zero-G environment like a Ender's Room, Ender's Game Danger Room. Is that what they called it? War Room? And you're throwing the disc to your compadres and they're trying to throw it into the enemy goal and the enemies are trying to hit you in the head to stun you. And it's unreal. The feeling of floating through this space and not getting motion sick, because they nailed that. They don't let you rotate in any way, shape, or form. You have to turn your body if you want to turn around. Is just awesome. It's awesome. You, f you float at a constant rate. There's no deceleration to make you woozy. You stop by grabbing things, and then you propel yourself. You can propel yourself off moving players. <clears throat> unreal. That's great. That's great. Can't wait to test that out. <laughs> uh we're short on time this week. Should we go on? Yes, let's. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Oh, gosh. Now, um... Kishore, you talked about Amplify. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm only a day in, so we got to give it some time uh, to see how it works. But, man, that Amplify, I, I got the HD version. I have so much more coverage in my house. <laughs> Full bars everywhere? Just pretty much everywhere. I think in the very, very back of my house, yeah. I'm at, like, one bar down. How's the setup process? I, it took me, I don't know, 10 minutes. It took me a lot longer to, like, do my cable, my OCD cable management than it did to actually plug it in and set it up. Basically, <laughs> download the app, plug it in, uh, get it set up. Uh, I'd like having the app to monitor it. You have to be connected to the Wi-Fi network for the app to actually work, so I can't monitor it from here. But outside of that, it's huh. just been uh, wonderful so far. Uh, and I haven't really had any drops and increase in coverage. It even has gotten into my backyard where I've never had Wi-Fi before. Rock on. Wow. Um, I finally placed my order for a Chevy Bolt. Um, I had my money down, but now I've actually assigned, I'm assigned a number, and I got all my options that I wanted. Should be here possibly in six weeks. Wow, that's so soon. Before the end of the year. I'm super excited. 
Amazing. So I haven't been testing that, but I've been excited about it. Uh, you have those headphones. Well, or earbuds. Yeah, but I already talked about those. Okay. Uh, well, then I have headphones. I've been using the Jobber Moves. Uh, they were released last year. I needed a new pair of headphones, Bluetooth headphones for the iPhone and also um, for travel, and they sound amazing. Uh, they're, the one problem I have with them is that if you are listening to music connected over Bluetooth with your iPhone 6S or 7, and then you're also using Wi-Fi or browsing other apps and browsing the web, you do get occasional uh, jumps in the audio connection. That hmm. happens almost every Bluetooth headphone set. Yeah. So, so far unavoidable. That's about it for me. I owe, I owe everyone a jewel review. That'll come soon. Okay. Uh, hold on. I think an embargo just went up. Uh, that I think I can talk about. Oh. Give me one second. Interesting. I know the dates are, oh, our internet's so slow. Should I say it? Should I say it? Uh, uh, you know what? I think I'm not going <laughs> to say Oh, it. what? Such a tease. That's so, so it was such a terrible uh, tease. All right. No, I can't say it. <laughs> Uh, reviews going up tomorrow for the hover camera, which is the other thing I've been testing. Um, this is a foldable drone that's extremely lightweight and um, has uh, subject tracking. So there's a built-in um, ARM processor in there, and uh, you carry it around, throw it, pop in the battery. It looks pretty the... small. It's like four uh, computer fans. Yes, basically it looks like four big, uh, four 120-millimeter computer fans. It's all guarded, props. Unfold it, press the power button, and connect to your phone, and then it's supposed to be able to track you as you walk around indoors and outdoors. It does not perform great at all. Um, image quality, is, I think, is lacking, and the tracking, uh, unless you're in a perfectly low and zero wind and perfect lighting situation, uh, it, it's You'll see it try great. to track me in the video. It did not go over well. Yeah, so uh, you watch the video tomorrow. We have a lot of sample footage of it kind of failing. So It's uh, cute, though. It, I, I think yeah. the, the great thing I think about is I like, I like that form factor a lot, and yeah. I like how easy it is to launch. You basically just press a button, hold it above the ground, press a button, and it stays there. Uh, that's something I think drones could, of this size could use going forward, but software improvements definitely needed. Awesome. Uh, tested live show coming up. Buy your tickets. Yeah. This should be fun. We have Jeremy's doing a segment this year. Yep. He's leading a segment that's going to be very, it's very Jeremy, let's just say. It's in your wheelhouse of things you're yep. super interested in. Yep. Uh, Norm is going to certainly be involved in multiple segments, including recapping some of the stuff from the Arctic. That's right. Um, which is great because some of that, a lot of that footage, I don't think has has been shown yet. No, no, it's even not having too much time to go through all the good stuff. And somehow I have a couple segments in this show, and not somehow I kind of put myself in it, so it'll be fine. Uh, and then we have a few surprises. We're working on a really special edition of. It's almost like, it's like a still untitled on steroids, mm -hmm. and we did some legwork on it uh, earlier this week, and it turned out incredible. <laughs> Yeah, that so fun. I'm really excited about that. Um, Testedjourneys.eventbrite.com, and you can find the link on the website. Yeah, hope to see you there. All right, and I think that's it for this week. Thank you guys for joining us over the internet and in person, Jeremy Kishore. You can, of course, find Jeremy at Jerware on Twitter and Kishore at ScienceKish on Twitter, not counting their followers at the moment. 
uh, not doing I've plateaued. Oh, okay. Uh, and you can find me at Enchan and, of course, all of our stuff on YouTube at Tested.com uh, or YouTube.com slash Tested.com or just Tested.com. But we'll see you next week. And until next time, here's an outro from a lovely listener. One of you guys. Oh, great. The internet's not working. I had it queued up. I hit play and now... Uh, Wait, hi there. Didn't see you there. Tested. I'm not getting anything. I don't know what's wrong with the audio. Well, maybe I'm muted. Okay. Tested. 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 Bye.